Hello, and welcome to Harp Column Podcast, taking you behind the stories in Harp Column from a practical harpist's perspective. My name is Christina Finch, and I will be your guide to all things harp. Music for today's episode comes from the 2013 album Alum with flutist Brian Luce and harpist Carol McLaughlin. Carol has a lot to do with today's episode. If you don't know the name Carol McLaughlin, suffice it to say that she was an incredibly influential figure in the harp community and was a world-renowned harpist who tragically passed away from cancer in March of 2018. Carol taught at the University of Arizona for over 30 years, founding the world-famous touring harp ensemble Harp Fusion and changing the lives and careers of hundreds of students. It's at the University of Arizona that we find our guest for episode 43, and the author of Finding the Right Fit, printed in the September-October 2018 issue of Harp Column. Newly appointed Professor of Harp at the University of Arizona, Michelle Gott. Michelle is very aware of the shoes she is filling, and has every intention of honoring Carol's legacy at every opportunity. As a Nevada-based harpist growing up, Michelle first came into contact with Carol as a young student, I asked her to share how she first came to know Carol and how she will lead the U of A studio into the future. Yes, she knew my mom quite well. My mom actually, she used to be part with my aunts. Well, they still have the piano store. My mom, you know, passed away in 2009, so no longer part of that. But uh, she had Carol come and give a master class and a workshop on her her theory on like performance preparation, neuro-linguistic programming, memorization techniques. That's all in her book, The Power Performance. But yeah, Carol came and did these kinds of things in Vegas, classes, workshops, master classes, and adjudication. When I was in high school, she came and adjudicated, I think, one of the Silver State competitions or something. So I had a fair amount of contact with her when I was younger, and I came for some guest lessons at U of A when I was younger. My one thing that makes me really sad is that in addition to the the fact that we've lost such a luminous figure, I just feel really sad that I didn't have a chance to talk to her after I got this position because she passed away just about two weeks, I think, before my interview. So everything is just overlapped. And, you know, I really feel for her students. I feel for her family. And for, just for her, for people everywhere, like all over the globe, literally, that she made an impact on, really feel for those people. But I think everybody should take solace in knowing that you're carrying on her tradition in a genuine and really kind and responsible way. Thank you. I'm. It's important to me. Yeah, it really is. I mean, she worked. She worked so hard here and brought so much creativity and love to this job. So it's something that. It means so much to me. It's not just a job, like this is a role. People who have who had trust in the program and I want them to have trust in the program going forward. So I view what I'm doing with like, you know, not just the day-to-day, but it's it's everything that's involved with that. You know, it's the mentorship of the students here and knowing that they, you know, they're dealing with some grief, of course, and dealing with their own questions about their futures. There's a lot of layers to it that I'm aware of. And sometimes it feels like a big job, <laughs> a little overwhelming, and I'm one person. But that's my intention is 
<laughs> is to go forward with care. Yeah. It's a balance of, of respect for what was and also respect for myself in implementing the ideas and the visions that I have, you know, without disrespecting what was like, that's the, that's the balance that is on my mind every day, <laughs> you know, because of course you have to be yourself, right? I can't be Carol. I don't want to be Carol. Nobody wants me to be Carol, but they want a good program. Everybody wants to be part of a good program and the students deserve the best training. Founded by Dr. Carol McLaughlin in 1978, Harp Fusion has become one of the most creative and exciting ensembles on the international concert scene. Named for its unique fusion of many different styles and cultures, this highly innovative harp ensemble has gained international respect for its inspiring performances in Russia, the Czech Republic, Japan, Indonesia, Puerto Rico, China, Korea, Switzerland, Spain, and Brazil. Harp Fusion is well-renowned for performing arrangements and original compositions by group members who are all students of the University of Arizona. As the new director of the Harp Studio at University of Arizona, I asked Michelle to tell us a little about Harp Fusion and her plans for the future of the ensemble. Well, it is the school harp ensemble, so everyone who is uh, studying harp, especially like uh, more advanced levels, they participate in this harp ensemble. When Carol was at her height here, I mean, I think she had something like 14 or 15 harp majors. So they all participated in our fusion. It was, you know, quite an amazing thing. Before my tenure here, I mean, Carol, I think they've recorded eight albums. They toured in a number of countries, Brazil, China, all over the place. And they're primarily known for doing their own arrangements. That's what we're working on right now are the, the next projects under my direction. So I'm actually working more from a thematic base and our new newest project that we're doing is actually on a theme of transportation, modes of transportation. So all of the music that we're arranging for that has to do with categories of transportation, including space travel. At the moment, we're thinking of doing it chronologically, but it's a symbolic thing of where we've been and where we're going or where we'd like to go and also just sort of a fun theme. <laughs> With Heart Fusion, I mean, I'm planning to carry on in Carol's legacy of course performances, community outreach, hopefully collaborations, which some commissions and things like that. So that would be a little bit different from the general scope of Heart Fusion, recording and touring. It's a lot of new territory for me. I've never taken a group on tour yet, so I have things to learn, but this is good. Have you seen Harp Column on social media or clicked through to a news story on our website? Or maybe you've listened to Harp Column podcast or gotten one of our email newsletters. However you interact with Harp Column, we want to make sure that you're getting the very best of what we have to offer, which is the magazine we began publishing 25 years ago. That's right, 2018 marks the 25th anniversary of Harp Column magazine. 
and Harp Column is still bringing practical news to practical harpists around the world six times a year, now also in digital format. Did you know that Harp Column magazine supports all of our other projects? That's why we could really use your help. Subscribe to Harp Column magazine today so we can continue bringing you all of the harp news and updates you've come to expect from us. Just go to www.harpcolumn.com to sign up today, and you'll receive our November issue in your mailbox. We know you won't want to miss an issue. transition from high school to college is an extremely exciting and scary time. So much changes so fast, and you're forced to make decisions that will impact the rest of your life. It's not hard for me to remember the distinct feeling of panic and confusion mixed with excitement and curiosity upon the prospect of leaving my cozy hometown to pursue harp at the collegiate level. As the newly appointed professor of harp at the University of Arizona, Michelle has a unique perspective on these kinds of transitions, as she's pretty much going through one herself right now. If you're a young harpist who's thinking about pursuing a degree down the road, a college-age student looking to apply for graduate programs, or a teacher with students who are considering going down the music degree path, her article, Finding the Right Fit, from the September-October 2018 issue of Harp Column has a lot to offer. Many times, ideas for articles are pitched to harp column by harpists who have an idea and the willingness to put in the work. But sometimes we come up with ideas on our own and reach out to some of our wonderful colleagues to help realize these ideas. This time, Allison had the idea and thought Michelle would be the perfect author. Michelle needed a little convincing. It was funny because, you know, she said, I know that you're, you know, you're in a transition and I almost didn't take it on because I was moving to Arizona and it was, you know, it's a 2,500 mile drive. You know, it's a long drive in a 20 foot U-Haul towing my Santa Fe behind. So really like 30 feet long (laughs) and it's, you know, it's intense that this whole transition. So I almost didn't do it because I thought that will be too much, but the subject really appealed to me. And it's advice that I wish that I had had maybe more of. Um, I did have it from some people, but just to have it all in one place, to have different advice from multiple sources, the topic really appealed to me so much. So I said, yes, I'll write it. I'll figure out how to do it. And maybe it'll be good for me because it'll allow me to focus on something else instead of only this transition. How did you decide who to ask to contribute? I mean, Lynn Asmus was obvious to me because she's been a huge influence in my life. And then I also, I wanted to include perspective from different areas. So, you know, Lynn has like an amazing perspective from that solid university world. I really wanted to talk to someone who was strictly conservatory. So Nancy was the obvious choice there. Judy has both because she, you know, she did U of T and also Glenn Gould. So 
Um, and she, and she's in Canada. I mean, she's American, but she's you know she's Miss Canada too. So <laughs> I I wanted that perspective as well. This cross border thing because I know that there are students interested on both sides in exchanging between the countries. And I think for Americans, it's a bit easier because the dollar conversion is better. It's not so easy for Canadians coming down here necessarily. I wanted to explore a little bit of that. You know, if you're a Canadian and you want to come to the states for school, how do you even consider that? And then, like Elizabeth Volpe Bly has so much experience as a performer, as a teacher, and it just so happened that she was the cover girl. I didn't actually know that when I approached her initially, so that just ended up being a nice connection. And then I actually did speak with somebody else who wanted to remain anonymous. So I had five sources. That person was also very valuable, and I thank that person for <laughs> the input. <laughs> We each have our own path, and I'm always interested to hear why people make the decisions they do regarding their schooling choices. Personally, I attended two schools for three degrees. Some people attend different schools for each degree, while others, like Michelle, choose to stay at one institution for all of their degrees. There is no right or wrong, better or worse, but I find it helpful and useful to hear why people make the decisions they do. So you did all three of your degrees at Juilliard, correct? I did, yeah. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about your decision process to stay at the same school for all three degrees? Well, when the door opened for bachelors, it's an open door that you've, you're not sure if it will open again. And so for that reason, you need to step through it. And if you don't like what happens there, you can go back, but you, you need to try. That's how I felt about the undergrad. And then, you know, I had an adjustment period for sure. I was overwhelmed by New York entirely just by being around that many people. I mean, Vegas is not a small city, but it's so spread out that if you don't want to be in a crowd, you don't have to be. And it's a driving city. So you drive everywhere and you're alone a lot of the time, you know. So these were things that actually were really shocking when that wasn't available to me because in a city like New York you don't actually want to be alone you do but you don't because if you're alone let's say you go to Central Park just to get away from people then all of a sudden you're saying I'm in Central Park all by myself this is a bad idea <laughs> you know <laughs> so anyway once I pushed through that and realized like okay well what happens if I just buckle up and try this for real, just give it a real go, what will happen? And then when I started to do that, then my world there started to open up and I started to feel like I had more of a place and more of a, a pathway that felt exciting to me and less scary. And then I started working more in the city, doing all kinds of things. You know, I did a lot of things through Juilliard, but then I started subbing for the producers and eventually for the fantastics and i just i started really loving my actual life there so the masters seemed like a pretty short tack on like oh what's another two years you know and then i mean the masters really is short so if you go somewhere like juilliard for a masters it just goes like this you know for me that was a six-year thing through the bachelors and masters at that point though, when the masters was wrapping up, cause really by year two, you're like, what do I do now? <laughs> 
I knew that I had an interest in university teaching and I thought I should probably get my DMA now because I did fear that if I left school and I got into a work routine or I got a job that going back to school would feel like not really as appealing to me just yeah just for myself some people are really good at going back to school maybe studying something else but I just didn't see that for myself at that time so I applied for the doctoral program and that was another thing where I, when I did get into that I thought wow I'm really lucky because this is a difficult program to access uh let's do it you know <laughs> so that's how that happened I didn't mean to stay there for so long but I think with Nancy, she has endless lessons to teach, so I could study with her for a lifetime and still not have everything that she knows. That's it for episode number 43. Many thanks to Michelle Gott for speaking with us today. If you are one of the many students currently freaking out over the prospect of making decisions that will affect the rest of your life, remember, deep breaths. There are no wrong decisions as long as you're honest with what you really want in life. Or, to put it more eloquently, There are all these considerations... And there are so many factors and you'll probably make lists and may feel overwhelmed. But in the end, I really believe people can come to the right choice. And you just have to have some like self-compassion as you're being curious and you're doing your homework. But just to know that there shouldn't be so much pressure about it. Like you're looking for the program that is right for you. And it doesn't matter what you think you should do or what you think a teacher thinks about you. It's really just about what you are trying to to do. Music for today's episode comes from Carol McLaughlin's 2013 album, Loom, recorded with flutist Brian Luce. To learn more about Harp Column, please visit www.harpcolumn.com and subscribe today to gain access to current and past issues, as well as a lot of great web content. My name is Dr. Christina Finch, and we at Harp Column hope that you have a spectacular week. <laughs>